Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. ACF, we're so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. So excited. I want to welcome our online viewers as well. Uh, my name is Stuart. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church, and we are in the middle of a two-week series that we are looking at and calling Countdown to Impact, Impact Eagle River, which is a big part of our DNA here uh, as a church family. We go out into our community next Sunday, so don't come prepared to sit. Come prepared to work. You'll, we'll start off at 8 o'clock with a rally in this room, and then we're going to head out onto many different projects and teams. And don't worry if you signed up and you haven't been contacted yet, that's gonna be happening early this week. So be looking for an email or contact from your team leader. Uh, If you haven't signed up, you can still do so outside at the Engage tent. And if you forget completely and you just come next Sunday, it's not too late, come anyway. Don't like wake up and think, well, I didn't sign up, I can't come. We, will get a, we have jobs and teams that we can put you on and make you productive in our community uh, as we show the love of Jesus Christ uh, to the people around us here in Eagle River, all the way up to Wasilla, down into Anchorage. Uh, we have uh, jobs all over the place. So it's super cool. Um, and thank you guys for signing up. We have about 500 people right now signed up to volunteer on teams uh, to go out into our community next Sunday morning. So yeah, that's, that's worth celebrating. We're right about 70 uh, oil changes that we have people signed up to do. We're looking for probably 30 to 50 more signed up so that we can, uh, we could, we'd love to be able to see uh, uh, over 100 people get their oil changed here in our parking lot at ACF Church. It's just one of the ways that we want to express the love of Jesus to our community. Uh, so make sure you're, you're getting the word out there as well. Last week, we looked at the idea that God is our shepherd and that ultimately he makes a promise uh, to the, the nation of Israel when they're in captivity. Uh, we looked at the book of Ezekiel, and God says, you, your leader, the leaders here haven't done their job of shepherding the people, and I'm going to step in and be the shepherd. He makes a promise that he is going to, to shepherd his people, and we saw last week that that promise was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ when he makes the statement, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. And Jesus gives us that example to follow. And we concluded last week that Jesus leads the way in loving us so that we can lead the way in loving others. And Impact Eagle River is one of those ways that as a church community we want to express that. I, I showed you a picture last week. I was super proud, Daddy, where my daughter um, and I went out hunting her first time, our first time really hunting for moose, and we were able to, to 
uh, harvest of moose this year, which was awesome. And I want to tell you another story um, of another hunting trip, but not about hunting, but about my four-wheeler. So in August, I went out caribou hunting uh, with one of the elders here, a friend of mine. And so we go out, and I'd worked on my four-wheeler, gotten it uh, last year, and it wasn't running. It had been sitting in a field for quite a while. And it was a project over the winter to get it going and, and make it run with another friend. And so we got it going, and we've been using it. I've been using it all summer. Um, and so we go out uh, where we park the truck to go hunting, and we are wanting to make our camp 11 miles in on a four-wheeler trail. And so we head out, and I get about to mile 10 going out into the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And my wheel, or I see a caribou, so I stop I turn it off, and I watch the caribou hop over the hill, and I'm super excited. That's a great way to start a hunting trip, by the way, is see the animal you're looking for. But I go to start my wheeler, and it won't start. It just keeps cranking and cranking and cranking, and nothing's happening. And uh, my friend comes back finally. He was in front of me. didn't see me stop, but he comes back. We can't get it started. Now it's making this clanking noise as we're trying to start it, so that's not a good sign. It's not progressing any better. Um, we eventually tow it the extra mile so we could make our base camp, and we, we start hunting that day. Another friend graciously agreed to bring his four-wheeler up the next day for me to use hunting, uh, but I needed to get mine out, so we had to tow that wheeler 11 miles back to the truck. And I tell you, if you're being towed, it's super dry. If you're being towed by somebody else on a wheeler, don't smile. Uh, my face was just dirt covered. It was so nasty um, right behind another wheeler the whole time. But... From that moment to the point where I, like even just this last weekend, I've been finalizing all the adjustments on it, but I've had to rebuild the whole engine. What happened was when I turned it off, for those mechanics in here, uh, the timing chain was super loose and it skipped a bunch of gears, which allowed the valves to get bashed up by the pistons. So basically just fried the the top half of the engine. So I took all that apart and um, just recently got it running. But so from the time that it broke, to the time, like even this past weekend, I'm going to be honest with you, a large part of my mental capacity has been taken up by thinking about fixing this wheeler. And so what I did was, I, I have the manual I downloaded online, and so I've been looking at how, all the procedures of replacing all the timing chains and getting all that right. Uh, I had the cylinder heads taken to a machine shop, and they replaced all eight valves, uh, which was awesome and cheap, and got that right. And then I had to assemble it again and replace you know, all the little parts, gaskets, O-rings, make sure it's all right, adjust all the, the valve timing. But I talked to the dealer and asked him, uh, the service guys, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Any tips, tricks that you can give me? I watch YouTube videos because there's a lot of knowledge there. Uh, you got to be careful because um, people do and tell you to do things that aren't so helpful also. But uh, it is helpful. So I watched that. I talked to other people who have kind of done it before. Basically, what I did was became, I went to, to sleep thinking about this engine project, and I would wake up thinking about it. And then even though I have other responsibilities uh, here at the church, about 10% of my mental capacity is, is constantly grinding on this project. I don't know if you've ever had something where you're just so focused on. I had to become an expert at this engine so that I could get it running again. And, and we do that in life, right? And there's only one way. That's, I was thinking about this project. There's only one way those parts go in that engine. It's not a matter of my feelings or interpretation, right? I can't just, well, I think the spring should go here because I, it looks good here. It's got to go in the right spot. The gaskets, the O-rings, the valves have to be adjusted very precisely or else things just don't work right. 
And if I didn't have all that information, if I hadn't put that time of commitment into that, it would be confusing project. It would be the, probably the most confusing project. Nothing would work right. It would just be haphazard. And I know sometimes in my life, and maybe your life too, we get confused at what, what our life looks like. Sometimes we think in our minds like, how did I get to this point in my life? How did I actually arrive at this place? I didn't seek or set this out as my destination, but this is where I am today. and It's not where I thought I would be. Maybe things were clicking along really good, like my wheeler, just clicking along, everything's working great, and then suddenly you stop to take a break and everything just seems to start falling apart in your life. And you're like, what happened? How do I put this back? I don't even know where to start to get this back together. And I have really good news for you this morning, though. God doesn't want you to be in that position. He came, Jesus came, and he says, so that you may have life abundantly. You may have life lived to the full, not in confusion. He doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want you to be in that state of, what do I do? How did I get here? I'm not sure the direction that I should take. I'm not sure how I should interact in this point in my life. And so I want to look again at a couple of passages we looked at last week. And so if you have your Bible, would you go ahead and open to Ezekiel? It's an Old Testament book. It's an Old Testament prophet. Ezekiel 34 is where we're going to start. And if you remember last year, or last year, it's a long time ago, um, last week, we were... Uh, talking about, in this passage of Ezekiel, God calls his prophet 600 B.C. to the nation of Israel, which has been taken in captivity by the Babylonians. And so Ezekiel is, is prophesying warnings to people for turning their back on God, but also he's giving hope for people, for those who are seeking God, right? So he, we talked about the shepherds. God was really upset at the shepherds. And he, it's an analogy that he's using. He said, I, the leaders of the people, I gave you resources to care for the people of Israel. And what you did was, instead of using those resources to care for the, the people under you, you just used them all on yourself. You didn't care at all about the sheep. As shepherds, you're, your job is to care for the sheep. But what you did was you cared for the shepherd. And, and God's upset. Well, he goes on in Ezekiel 34, and we didn't cover it last week, and we'll touch on it, but he then turns to the sheep. And he's like, oh no, don't think that you're off the hook you sheep, because this is what you're doing. And he continues in this analogy. He's like, as a sheep, you would come up to drink water from a very still, clear place. And normally what you should do is drink and then move on and let the other sheep come in and drink from the still, clear water. But what you're doing is you're stomping up and down, making it muddy and disgusting, and then moving on because you're, you're so bitter at the sheep that's coming after you. You're that, you're that vindictive that you don't care about those around you. You fight and, you, and you, you engage in things that, that are taking care and concern away from other sheep as well. You're hurting them. And so God, God gets through all of this and he says, I'm going to make a promise. I'm going to shepherd. And we talked about that last year, or last week, last year. I just can't get over it. I just want to be last year, evidently. But we're going to talk about last week. So the last verse of Ezekiel 34, verse 31, is this. This is God talking. And you are my sheep human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. So now God is kind of extending that analogy, and he's saying, you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. So the earth is really just God's pasture. He's kind of making this analogy, and he's saying, you're just sheep in it. And I love this. If you're paying attention, last week we talked about the three main names of God, right? And this one verse has all three in it, so it's really cool. Um, doesn't really have anything to do with the sermon this week, but I just thought it was cool. It says, you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. 
and I am your God, which is the word Elohim, which is the generic term for a God or God, declares the Lord God, which is Adonai Yahweh. So we've got the, the sovereign Yahweh. So it's got all those three names. I just thought it was pretty cool. But he calls us sheep of his pasture. So then I wanted to look back at John 10. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn back over to John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to look um, a little bit about what Jesus is saying, uh, saying here in this passage. So John 10, verse 1, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of, of strangers. So I just want to start by saying, I've heard a bunch of sermons about us being sheep, right? And they always go this, the, or always, but many times they go this way. Sheep are, are stupid animals. They have no intelligence, just like us. It's not a super encouraging sermons, by the way. Uh, sheep, they just flock together and they do what everybody else is doing. Maybe a little bit true uh, for sometimes for some of us, right? Maybe they're saying sheep are just dirty, stinking, nasty animals, right? They just waller in mud sometimes and just like us. We're just dirty just like them. Not super encouraging, right? And I don't know if this is what God is really intending uh, to show us by calling himself the shepherd and us sheep. So I started, I started digging into what, a little bit about sheep because I'll be honest with you, I know nothing about sheep, right? I've never had a sheep, never owned one, and okay, I better stop we're in Alaska, so when I say sheep, most, uh, most of the people in here are thinking like the sheep up on the mountains that you see, right? Climbing independent and running around by themselves. We're not talking about those sheep. This was not the culture at all. They were, we're talking domesticated sheep that you might see on a sheep farm being herded by shepherds, right? That's what we're talking about. So I dug around a little bit, and shep, uh, sheep are not actually um, stupid animals. They've done research. I guess there's people that they... they Dig into these things. And so they did some research, and they've, they've, what they found is sheep have a, an actually really good memory. Uh, they can remember faces, and uh, they, they've done through mazes like you would a, a mouse or a dog or a cat, a monkey or even a person, and they learn based on motivation levels. So they, they can actually improve their performance when they get motivation to do so. So they're, they're actually pretty smart little animals, but they don't have much defense, right? Uh, a sheep is not going to stand off and square off against you. Um, they might freeze because they're not sure what to do, but they're not going to, like, bear their fangs at you and start growling uh, in intimidation. They're not going to make themselves bigger by puffing themselves up, and they're certainly not going to scratch you with their little tiny hooves, right? Um, they're also not really good. Sometimes when they're by themselves or in smaller groups, they will just turn and run, but they're not super fast, right? And that's why you have little kids at the fair when they do the mutton races um, at the junior rodeos. Because why? Because... They're not going to put them on a full-grown animal. They're going to put them on a little, little lamb because they, they're not going to get hurt. They're pretty gentle little creatures, right? Um, now, when they get in big groups, like when you have thousands upon thousands, some of these herds of sheep, if you go to certain countries, they can actually rank in the millions, not just a million, but millions of sheep. Whole communities will put, put their, their livestock together, and they have, they'll hire shepherds out, and they'll watch these sheep, and it's a really big deal. But when they get together and they get threatened, 
They're kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen a school of fish kind of darting around and it's just this big mass of animals. They do the same thing. They'll, they'll mass around each other and then just run kind of haphazardly around hoping that they're not the one that gets attacked, hoping it's somebody else. Maybe it's a good strategy unless you're the one that gets picked off. Then it's not so good, right? Sheep do kind of tend to go after the herd. They, there, there is a hierarchy of leadership in a sheep herd, um, and they, they do tend to follow each other without thinking a whole lot. In fact, there was a story back in 2005, and it ran on Fox News and BBC, that in Turkey there were some shepherds, and they had 1,500 sheep for their community pooled in a safe pasture with water, with food, with no predators. And the shepherds decided to have an extended breakfast that morning, and the lead sheep walked off a 45-foot cliff to its death, while the other 1,500 followed along. All 1,500 sheep stepped off the cliff. The first 400 were killed. Um, after that, there was enough padding, um, so the remaining sheep, the remaining 1,600 sheep walked away unhurt. It's crazy. It happened. Too funny. I think ultimately the sheep's best defense, and this is kind of maybe the truth that I pulled out of it, Sheep's best defense is to stay under the watchful care of a shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd has far more resources to protect the sheep than the sheep do. And I think maybe this is getting at more of why God is comparing us to a sheep and him being the shepherd. He wants to provide protection and resources and guiding to us, right? But we got to stay under his watchful care. And I think it's true. We need to be led just like sheep. We're prone to wander off sometimes. It's helpful for us to be around other sheep. And our shepherd knows what we need and he's going to provide it. Ultimately, it's about a relationship we have with God, that he is going to lead us, but we need to follow. And this is the truth, that we have a shepherd who leads us. We have a shepherd who desires to lead us. And as sheep, we need to respond to his leading. Right? It does no good if we have a shepherd that we claim is going to protect us and we do nothing to respond to his voice. I think it's interesting, though, in Scripture, we're referred to as sheep. We're not referred to as like foxes or bears or wolves or cheetahs or tigers or, or other independent-sounding animals. It's very rare that a human is referred to like that by God. But we're called sheep many, many times, over 200 times, actually, in Scripture should say something about our relationship with God. So the question then is, if we are sheep and God is our shepherd and he wants to lead us and we should respond to that voice, how do we hear God's voice? And this is where a little bit of of honest self-disclosure from me to you. I've never, ever heard God's voice verbally, not once. Maybe you have, I have not. So then how do we hear his voice? How do I hear his voice? Because I know he's spoken to me. I know he leads me. I can say that with 100% confidence. But he's not once sat down with me and verbally said something to me. So how do we hear it? And this is, this is going to be the most profound point you've ever heard in a sermon. Are you ready for it? Like, it, this is going to rock your world. Like, I mean, this is like an, your socks are just going to come right off right here. Are you ready? Read your Bible. Read, read the Bible. That's it, right? Life changed. I should just stop talking right now. That's this, some of you are like, please do. No. This, this is the point of my sermon today. Read the Bible. I know you've never heard that before in church, right? Never, ever. 
No one's ever said you should read your Bible from church. But this is the reality. You know, I'm joking a little bit. The, the reality, though, is sometimes the churchy answer, the one that you've heard before, is actually the, the very thing that we need to hear again. And it's still true. It doesn't make it any less true because it's been something that you've heard before. Read the Bible. And what I'd like to do is go through a little bit of my journey this year so we, I could, some of my failings can help you, I hope. Uh, is, it's some of the, just the observations that I've made about, well, how do you read your Bible? Like, what does this look like? What are you talking about? Um, and I just want to up front tip my hand. Kind of this is where I'm going with it. So if you're taking notes, this is where I'm going. Committed time reading the Bible develops a habit. Habitually reading the Bible leads to a better understanding of what you're reading. A better understanding motivates you to spend more time with God. So this has been my journey this year, is around New Year's, I started praying, God, and I've always prayed, God, I want, I want to see you, I want to know you, I want you to reveal yourself to me. These are kind of generic prayers that I pray, but this year... I was earnest about it. I don't know, just more focused about it. Like, I really want to know what you want me to be doing. I really want to hear your voice. I want to see your leading. Would you reveal yourself to me? And he did nothing. There you go. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I did that for about two, two and a half months. Prayed this prayer over and over again. And I saw nothing. And then something I thought unrelated, but now I can look back and see how related it really is, was I started waking, I'm a night owl, um, I started waking up between 4.30 and 5.30, and I wasn't happy about it at all, because I would rather be sleeping. And, and so at first I would just lay in bed and try to go back to sleep, but I would not, I could not sleep. And so at first I was a little frustrated, but then one morning I got up and I decided, well, I'm already up, I might as well get up and go in the living room and I can enjoy a cup of coffee and be up. So I got coffee. And I surf Facebook and read the news because I'm a little bit of a news junkie and check the weather and just other things that were on my phone, all the little apps that are on there and no earthquakes last night, so it was good. And then enjoyed my morning. And it dawned on me after a few days of this, of, and I also, this is the bonus. I have, I have, you've heard me say it before, I have five kids at home. So once one kid wakes up, it's all off, like it's a circus. It's just they start waking up each other and pretty soon it's just chaos at my house and, and the day has started and it's too late to focus on really anything except for keeping them from killing each other. So I started realizing this is a nice time to get up. So I would quietly go in. I wish the Keurig had a silent mode because sometimes that noise alone got them going. But uh, I realized sometimes I had two or three hours without my kids in the morning, which was awesome. Like, Nobody told me. They're like, if you got up just a little earlier, like there was this time. And then it hit me. God was waking me up to spend time with me. He was answering my prayer by making me tired, but getting me up and giving me time. And so I started reading the Bible. I have a Bible app on my phone, and I started reading, reading the Bible every day. I decided I was going to read from Genesis to Revelation this year. So I started reading. And I'll be honest, at first it was kind of hit and miss because I, I have distractions on my phone. And so I finally had to make a decision after a week or two. Something's got to change because if Facebook is on my phone, guess what? I'm checking Facebook or I'm thinking about Facebook. And so what I finally did, and I want to show you, if you I don't know if you can see this, but 
On, on my phone, there's a blue app right there. If you can see that blue app right by my thumb. It's my Bible app. It's where Facebook used to live on my phone. And for me, I'm not, I'm not bashing on Instagram, Facebook, or anything, or any one app or anything like that. What I'm telling you is, for me, it was too big of a distraction to have on my phone if this is where I was reading my Bible. It was just too big of a thing. So I put it where Facebook used to live because now I have muscle memory and I hit it every morning and it's like, oh, there's the Bible. Yep, I should be reading that. <laughs> because it's not easy. It, it wasn't my habit. I'd read haphazardly here and there and, and a little bit here, a little bit there and, and, and done some journaling and all that. But this is the first time that I was motivated to do it and then God gave me time to do it. And so I started this process. Right now, this morning, I read Acts 5, 6, and 7. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm getting close. I'm in the New Testament. I'm, I can see the light at the end of, of the Bible. And I want to start again when I'm done. Uh, and it's been, it's been a great year. And what I saw was, at first, it was just doing it. Oh, yeah, I've read this. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Been there. But after a while, after I developed the habit of doing it regularly, and I committed to doing that, I started making connections that I'd never seen before. And they weren't great, awesome, you know, deep theological connections. They were just like, oh, that makes more sense. I get that now. Or I'd have a question, and I'd go find an answer, and it made more sense for me. So that habit led to my better understanding of what I was reading, and that understanding, I will tell you, after a, there was a flashpoint two or three months in where I, all I wanted to do was read Scripture. And I, I've never been in that position in my life. I've done it because I have to. I've done it because I know it's a good thing for me. I know it's the right thing to do as a believer, as a pastor. Probably should be reading Scripture sometimes. But I had never been passionately motivated to read scripture. And I would actually get disappointed sometimes that I had to stop and like engage in life again. Something changed. And so that three-step process, the habit leads to understanding, and that leads to a desire to hear from my creator. So here's, the, here's my challenge to you. 15 minutes. Can you give 15 minutes before you start your day to God, reading scripture. And I did the, I did the math, because I, I, I want to be helpful to you guys. I did the math. This is how long it's going to take you to do 15 minutes in the morning. 15 minutes. <laughs> Look it up. You can check me. It's 15 minutes. I did it, and I know sometimes that 15 minutes in the morning, you're like, no, there's no way I could get up 15 minutes earlier. This can't do it. And I get that. Life can be challenging. But I think we could give 15 minutes to something, right? We can put some time in and some effort in. And, and your, your drive here is not quality time or quantity time. It's a habit. And it sounds weird coming from, from the front of the church. Don't worry about the quality of your Bible reading. Don't worry about the quantity of your Bible reading. Just do it. Develop the habit. That's what you're going after because that habit, when you commit to it, will lead to understanding. And once you have that understanding, you're going to get hungry. And that's what will eventually drive you. But if you start with trying to get the hunger, you'll be like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Develop the habit. That's the faithfulness part. And here's the verse that got me going. It was Jeremiah 29, 13. And it says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I realized that I don't think I had really sought God passionately with my heart. 
And I'm gonna explain this because some of you are new to Alaska. Some of you have been here a while and you know what dip netting is, but some of you don't, you're new. And I'm gonna explain, dip netting is an awesome experience that you can take a net that is just enormous on the end of a long pole, some like anywhere from 10 feet till I saw some this year, like 30 or 40 feet. And you go in chest waders into the mouth of either the Kasilof, the Kenai, or some other rivers here in Alaska, and you can catch fish in this. You can catch salmon that will swim into your net, and you pull them out. And my kid's favorite part, bonking them on the head. But you can do this. And this is what I noticed this year. I was just watching. There were some people who went in for an hour or so a day, and they kind of dabbled at dip netting, right? And their, their, their little cooler didn't fill up that fast. And there were some who would spend every waking moment in that river, suffering like getting the water down your waders, and it was hot. The sun was hot, but the water was cool, so you kind of have that going on. It's not super comfortable. The waves are crashing sometimes. These hours, you're not getting anything. But those people, their coolers eventually filled up. And the same, I think, is true with us and wanting to hear God's voice. If, if you dabble in it, like I have been for most of my life, you're gonna be mostly empty. You're not gonna hear a lot of what God's telling you. If you commit to it, he's gonna meet you there, and I believe he's gonna fill, fill you up um, with amazing things. So here's the next question. So that if the most profound thing you've ever heard in church is read the Bible, I have the second most profound thing that I'd like to share with you this morning because it brings up the next question. Well, how do I do it? Where do I start? And, and here's the profound statement whether you're ready for it or not. You have to begin somewhere. There you go. You have to begin somewhere, right? That's great direction, Stuart. Thanks. Read your Bible, and you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Starting somewhere is always better than starting nowhere. If you're going to start a journey, like me, way back in the beginning of this year, I didn't get to where I am today reading Acts chapter 5, 6, and 7, as part of a process I'm going through because I just jumped there. I could have, but I would have missed out everything that came before it. it. It was a process. It was a commitment to that process. I started somewhere. I decided to start in Genesis. Nothing magical about it. I just decided that was a great plan for me. And if you are, are on a computer, if you have a phone, which just about all of us do or are, you can Google Bible reading plans and you can find plans that are for single people, married people, people with and without kids, people who are into sports that are not into sports, musicians. You can find reading plans that will help you get through Scripture in 90 days. You can find reading plans that will help you get through Scripture in like 10 years. You're like, that's my plan, right? But find a plan. They're out there. The information's there if you want it. You can just pick a book. And if, you're gonna, if you've never done it before, if you've never really read through an entire book in Scripture, start with the New Testament. Start in Matthew. That's the very first book in the New Testament. Start reading through the book of Matthew. And these aren't like novel books. These are books that will take you maybe a week or two to get through if you're just, if you're just in there every day a little bit. Start in the book of John. That's another great book to start in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth book of the New Testament. You get to read about Jesus, God's expression, his word to us, how he interacted with people and with those around him. It's how God's heart Acts. We can get to see insight into who God really is, and we'll start to see ourselves as we read through that. 
I do want to say, if you're Googling stuff, be careful of your source, because there's great podcasts out there. You can watch sermons online. You can get daily devotionals. they got Bible apps that will send you things every day, which is awesome. These are awesome tools that haven't been, I think, available to most people throughout history. Like, this is something we have that's almost so much of it, I'm not even sure where we start sometimes. And there's some great information, but be careful your source, because you are on the Internet, and there are a lot of people, just like the YouTube videos working on my wheeler, Sometimes people aren't super helpful in their videos. They're just making a goofy video to see if you'll do something. Sometimes they're being super helpful. Same is true with Scripture. So be careful the sources you use. And then I'll say, with all those things, none of them are a substitute for you spending time reading God's Word. You can listen to all the podcasts you want. You can read all the daily devotionals you want. You can watch all the sermons about Scripture that you want to look at. And your life change is going to be very minimal because you haven't done the work. But when you commit and do the work of reading Scripture yourself, you are going to start to mine things just like a miner with gold. It, it takes effort, but you're going to start to see things that you never saw before, and they will affect you in ways that you've never thought you could be affected. So nothing is a substitute for your own, own digging. I think God uses our experiences also to communicate to us. And I've touched or hinted at this a little bit, but when we go through things in life, when we go through challenges, a health crisis or a relationship crisis, or even something as minor as like you're downtown and somebody, a homeless guy asks you for money and you're like having this crisis, what should I do? I'm not sure. Am I helping them? Am I hurting them? I've heard both. I'm not sure. I have confusion. And I think God uses those things to do a few things reveal our hearts, reveal our own confusion about something, and that confusion should drive us back to the shepherd who is watching over us and wants to provide us with answers. It may tell us about somebody else, and we can learn about humanity in general, or we can learn about God. We can see God do amazing things through some of the, the situations that we go through in life, and he's speaking through those things. And so we are called, if you ever wonder what like, the will of God is in your life, are you ready for it? Is to seek out and listen to God's voice. And here's the next step. Respond to it in obedience. That's, that's maybe a harder step. It's hard to get a habit of hearing God's voice. It's even harder, I think, to take the step of obedience to do what God tells you to do. When you read something in Scripture and you know it's at you, to make that change in your own heart the way we relate to other people, the, the, the actual time that we spend focused on certain things. That's really where the rubber hits the road, is obedience. And this is the truth. Obedience, or our, our behavior, reveals our heart. And that's really where God is focused on, is our heart. We like to focus on our behavior, right? And so we can get all the behavior right, we can do all the Christian things, we can go out and serve next week at Impact Eagle River, we can be involved in Bible studies. We can do all kinds of great things in our community. And you know what? You can look like you're a Jesus follower without actually being a Jesus follower. And God's smart enough to understand this. And if you, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 really quick, it says this. This is Jesus talking. It says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, 
false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat what is to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Kind of a weird statement to end with, but it's there's a context to this. The leaders at the time, the, the Jewish leaders in Israel, were accusing uh, Jesus' followers of not ceremonially washing their hands before they ate. So therefore, they were saying, based on their belief, that if, if you didn't wash your hands properly before you ate, then what you put in your mouth would make you unrighteous, unclean before God. And so Jesus is making this point. There's nothing that you can do that is going to make you unrighteous before God that goes in your mouth. That's it. The food that you eat just goes right through you. But it's what's in your heart that comes out that defile you, that make you unrighteous before God. So Jesus is making that point. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out. If you've been putting time with God and allowing God to come in and saturate your heart, then godly things are going to come out of your life. If you've been putting something else in there, then something other than godly things are going to come out of your life. And I'll be honest with you. When I put anything but God into my heart, when I spend time and commitment at anything but God in my life, do you know what comes out? Selfishness for me. And that's been my experience, and I don't know if it's yours as well. But from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. From, from what's inside our heart, our lives are lived. So our behavior reveals, reveals that. We don't want to get it backwards. Again, we don't want to just be people who look like Jesus followers but really aren't. We're just doing the things without actually having the heart to do those things. We also don't want to be on the other side where we're spending so much time investing in knowing the scriptures being involved in the studies, the deep theological studies and pulling this apart and knowing maybe the Greek and the Hebrew words and knowing all the things that we should or shouldn't be doing, but we never take the step of obedience in doing them. Because that was what Jesus was pushing against with the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time who knew all the law. They had studied the scriptures. They understood what they should or shouldn't be doing and they didn't do it. It takes both. And if you're like me, there are things in my life, right, that I have put an in, insane amount of energy and time and passion for, like my wheeler, getting that, that four-wheeler running again. For me, I just thought, that is a lot of mental and physical energy and financial resources that went into making my, my wheeler run again. And I'm happy that I have a tool, hopefully, that can plow snow this winter, so I'm super excited now. But think about things that you're passionate about, that you put time and effort and energy and focus on in your life. And have we put that kind of time into following and hearing the voice of God? And what would ACF, what would our community look like if we were a community committed to reading God's word, understanding it, and putting it into practice? I believe we'd be a community where anxiety levels would go down peace would go up, even in the midst of trial and hard times. I believe we would be a community that cared for others the way nobody else gets cared for in our community. That's what Impact Eagle River is all about, is us having a natural expression as a body of believers into our community. This is who we are. This is not just something we're going to go do, but this is who we really are because we have come face to face with the God who created us, who has sent Jesus Christ to take our place in death so that we could live a new life. And we get a chance to go out and serve. And that is an amazing thing. So that's my challenge. Read the Bible, start somewhere, and then do it.
respond to the voice of your shepherd. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your great love for us. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a God who stands far off, but even 600 B.C., Lord, and before, but you promised to be our shepherd, and then you fulfilled your promise through Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, and we are the sheep, the human sheep of your pasture. But, Lord, are we sheep who are obedient to the voice of the shepherd? Do we recognize your voice when we hear it? And, Lord, you want desperately to speak to us. You want us to know the heart of our shepherd. You don't want us to live in confusion. But you want us to know the steps to live a life to the full. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who wants to be known. And you, you are findable. You are not playing a, a giant celestial game of hide and seek with us, Lord. But you have invited us into relationship. So, Lord, my prayer is that we would step towards you that we would commit to knowing the voice of our shepherd and that we would, be, we would be people who respond to that. We love you, Lord, and I pray that our light here at ACF Church would shine brightly for you and that your name would be lifted up and glorified and honored in this community and around the world. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.